All right, turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. And I'm going to read two verses from Mark chapter 11, and that is verses 25 and 26. I can hear a little bit of an echo if we can take that down, please. Have you found Mark chapter 11? All right, I'm going to read verses 25 and 26. And it says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Amen? Amen. So the plan or the initial plan of what I was going to share with you today, I was actually planning to share with you a sermon that I must have started maybe about three years or so ago. Um, But I'm not quite sharing that today. Not that I'm not quite, I'm not sharing that today. But I am going to speak on the same topic in which that sermon um, is based. And it is the topic of forgiveness. Forgiveness. And I was unsure what to call Uh, the title of my message today, I decided to go for the title Forgiving to Forgiveness. And the reason why I decided to call it Forgiving to Forgiveness is because firstly, I didn't know whether to call it forgiving or to call it forgiveness. And then secondly, I actually looked up the definition of the two and I found a very good explanation that I liked for the two words. And it said, forgiving is the process, forgiveness is the goal. Forgiving is the process, forgiveness is the goal. So today we're going to talk about forgiving to forgiveness, embracing the process so that we can reach the end goal. Now, in the spring in our church, I did a series called The Truth. And in that series, leading up to Easter, I shared a message called The Truth About Heaven, The Truth About Hell, and then The Truth About Easter. How many of you remember that? Right. So, When I spoke about the truth about hell, I shared a dream of mine, okay? Um, And what I want to do to begin this morning is play that clip from that sermon so you can understand where we're going this morning. And then I'm going to come back and continue with a few words. I want to begin this morning by sharing with you a true story of a dream that I had several years ago that was so surreal that it didn't feel like a dream, it felt more like a trance. It's something that I experienced that I will never ever forget for the rest of my life. In this dream, I was on a packed London underground tube, specifically the central line. I specifically remember it being the central line. And though the tram was packed with people talking and people commuting to wherever they needed to get to, I was fortunate enough to have a seat. And I remember being in my seat, specifically again, reading the Metro newspaper. And as you do when you're on the tube and you have a few stops to your destination, you might look up and see the map. How many of you are familiar with the map that shows the stops? I looked up and I saw the map and I saw Tottenham Court Road and Oxford Circus and so on and so forth. And I realized that I still had a few stops until my stop. A few moments later, having put my head back into the newspaper and reading the newspaper, I noticed something weird happened. All of a sudden, this packed tube tram just fell silent. And I was confused because just a few moments ago, everybody was talking, people were laughing, joking, it's packed, it was rush hour. And it just fell amazingly, incredibly 
just silent, like someone literally pressed a mute button. And so when I looked up again from my newspaper, I noticed that the people were there, but no one was talking anymore. Everybody more or less looked like zombies and it was just quiet, dead quiet. But what scared me even more than that is when I looked at the tube map again, what I previously saw as Tottenham Court Road, Oxford Circus, so on and so forth, the tube map had changed. There were only two stops left on the tube map in this order, hell, heaven. And I'm sitting there shocked at what I'm seeing. My heart is beating fast and I'm sweating and I'm like, what is going on? I remember, yeah, that's what I said. I remember the tube pulling in to this station called Hell. And I remember looking out the window and seeing this incredible thick black abyss. All of a sudden I would see these volcanoes erupting and every time a volcano erupted, the reflection from the light of that volcano would show me what else was in this abyss. And when the volcano would erupt, I would see these life-size worms, worms that were bigger than human beings. I would see skulls, I would see bones all over the place. The stench was incredible. But above that all, even through the tube tram, I could hear this incredible pitch of screaming, wailing, people shouting, people crying, people begging for torture to stop. And as the tube pulled into this tube station, the doors opened and half, this half of this packed tube tram stepped out into hell without thinking twice. And when they stepped off, it was like they stepped off the edge of a cliff. It's like they just fell into this abyss. What was a packed tube tram now was about 50% packed but the doors remained open and the tube wouldn't move. And how many of you know that when there's a delay on the tube, the driver intends like, usually makes an announcement, particularly makes an announcement. They might make an announcement like, oh, there's a red light ahead of us. Therefore, as a result, we can't move. This was the announcement that the driver made. The announcement said, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we can't move, any we can't move forward at this time because there are people who have been destined to get off at this stop who have not got off yet. And so we sat there waiting, confused as to what was going on. One by one, people were stepping off the tube tram, just falling into this abyss until it got down to just seven of us. What felt like 20 minutes later, the tube driver again said, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we can't go any further because there are people who have been destined to get off at this stop who have not got off yet. I remember sweating. I remember my heart beating fast. And I specifically remember praying and saying, Lord, but I serve you. But I worship you. But you know, you're the center of my life. What is going on here? Confused and bewildered, we weren't moving. Seven became six. Six became five. Five became four. After what felt like another 20 minutes or so, all of a sudden, a guy gets up begrudgingly. He's kind of like, and he steps out into hell. No moment, no sooner than when his back foot stepped out 
of the tram did the tube doors close with just the three of us on it and the tube continued. And as it continued, I guess we were approaching heaven because I saw this bright white light and then at that point I had woken up and I had woken up drenched in sweat to the extent that you would have thought someone poured a bucket of water on me. It was four o'clock in the morning and I remember not going back to sleep but praying, Lord, what was that dream about? It felt so real. I couldn't tell you how happy I was that it wasn't real. My wife said, you lost weight looking at the video. <laughs> I had a hairline back then though, that's the other problem. As I said in the dream or in the video that we watched of that dream, I can't tell you how relieved I was to find out that what I was experiencing was a dream and not real. And I prayed as I woke up and I asked God, God, what was that dream about? And later that day, God said to me, the reason why I gave you that dream is because Kunle, you can do all of these great things for me and in my name. You can go around preaching from now till kingdom come. You can go around laying hands on people. You can go around serving me. But if you carry unforgiveness in your heart, that will be your destination. Later that week, I had a speaking invitation at a friend's church. And I decided to share with them that dream that I had. At the end of the service, when they were about to close, the pastor's mother came up and said, can I just say something to the church? She said, pastor, it's so interesting that you spoke and shared your dream with us because as I was driving to church this morning with my daughter, I was talking to her about the importance of forgiveness and telling her a dream that I had. And she said in her dream, she was queuing to get into heaven. And there was a long queue going towards heaven and another queue going away from heaven. And when she looked in the queue going away from heaven, she started to recognize familiar and both familiar and famous names and people in that queue. Like well-known TV preachers and evangelists. And so she was confused. She thought, how is it that these people are being turned away from heaven? Like everybody knows these people and what they've done. And so she said, when she got to the gate of heaven in her dream, she asked the angel, why is it that these people have been sent away from heaven? And the angel said to her, oh, these are great people who did great things for the kingdom of God. But unfortunately, because they have unforgiveness in their heart, they can't come into the kingdom of heaven. A few days after that, I listened to a testimony of a young lady who had died for a few minutes time, experienced a vision of hell. When she came back to life and she was doing this interview, she was asked about hell and what it was like. And she said, hell is full up with a lot of nice people. Unfortunately, they're there because they hold or held unforgiveness in their heart. I want you to look at our opening scripture once again in Mark chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. And I wanna give you four key words in those verses to note down. 
The scripture says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. When you read it like that, you don't really capture the fullness of it. So let me point out to you four key words to take note of from this scripture. The first word is whenever. Someone say whenever. Whenever means at any given time. Not just during prayer and fasting, not just during your quiet time, not just when you feel like it or when you choose to, whenever, at any given time. Someone say whenever. whenever. The second word that I want to bring to your attention is the word anything. Someone say anything. anything. Not a big thing, not a small thing, anything. Whenever, anything, and here's the next word, Anyone, someone say anyone. Anyone, a friend, a colleague, a spouse, a partner, whenever, anything, anyone. And here's the fourth word. If, someone say if. Scripture says, if you do not forgive, your father will not forgive you. If is a conditional word, which means that God's forgiveness is conditional. If you do not forgive, your father in heaven will not be able to forgive you. Let me read Mark eleven twenty five 25 to you in the amplified version. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, drop the issue, let it go. Tell the person next to you, let it go. So that your father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions and wrongdoings. Listen against him and others against him and others i hope you understand that what i'm trying to tell you today is that forgiveness is a commandment it's not a choice it is a commandment we must let go or we nullify the cross and what god has done on the cross in sending his son to die for us and if there's one thing i know for sure is that god wants to do so much in this season but the enemy has used conflict. He's used bitterness and offense to hold us back because an army divided amongst itself cannot stand. Proverbs 18 verse 19 says this, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. In biblical days, to be able to defend the city, they would put these incredibly high walls up so that nobody would be able to get in. Do you know how many people today have put walls up towards certain people or better yet walls up towards certain people who remind them of certain people they don't want to be reminded of. And when we are offended, that's just the first step of a spiral of unforgiveness because Matthew 24 verse 10 says this, and then many will be offended. That's the first step. We'll betray one another. That's the second step. And then thirdly, hate one another. Notice the order. Many. What does many mean? The majority. The majority of people will become offended. That offense will lead to betrayal, which will lead to hate. And I don't know if you've noticed something today, but I've noticed that people are very easily offended today. 
I see social media debates that lead to people being offended. I see people unfollowing people because of a disagreement. I see small foxes finding their way into places they shouldn't, let alone things we would determine to be major. This offense leads to betrayal. And I know betrayal sounds major. And when we hear betrayal, we kind of think of people like Judas in the word of God. And there is that aspect to it. But betrayal can simply be the abandonment of a relationship or a friendship. Offense, betrayal, then hate. Again, hate sounds like a, a strong word. I personally think that hate is a strong word. But what we forget is that hatred doesn't have to be loud or outspoken. And I'll show you in the scripture, a example of where hatred was not loud or outspoken. In 2 Samuel chapter 13, verses 22 to 23, it says this, and Absalom spoke to his brother Anon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. And it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shearers in Baalhazar, which is near Ephraim. So Absalom invited all the king's sons. To give you the context of the story here, Absalom, Amnon and Tamar are all relatives. Amnon decides to rape his sister Tamar. And Absalom for two full years kept it in his heart. And the scripture says that he says neither good nor bad. He didn't say anything. Neither good nor bad. Do you know how many people today are offended by people, but they say nothing about them, neither good or bad? When they hear their name mentioned, they say nothing. Or better yet, they say, I ain't saying anything which says everything. Absalom did the same. But when I read that, I thought to myself, how many Easter's, how many different celebrations and seasons of joy and Christmas would they have experienced where Amnon might have thought that his brother Absalom had forgiven him? How many seasons must they have had where they had jokes and banter and had a few laughs, but really deep down, Absalom was still holding it in his heart. And I began to think about that and began to think about how many of us have gone to socials and meetings and places where we see people and we act like it's okay, but deep down we know it isn't. Deep down we are still hurting and we hold unforgiveness and bitterness within us. Unforgiveness, bitterness and offense does more damage to us than the other person. There's a saying, it's like drinking poison and hoping that the other person will be affected. And in some cases, they've moved on and they're living their life whilst you are holding on. And there's a saying that a person who can't forgive another is someone who has forgotten what God has forgiven them of. My prayer for you today is that if you're holding anything against anyone, anyone, a parent, a former friend, an ex, a sibling, to name a few, that today will be the day that you lay at the altar and kickstart the forgiveness or the forgiving process.
And in order to forgive, of course, it's important to establish what forgiveness is and isn't. Okay, so let me take a moment to do that. And let me tell you three things forgiveness isn't. Number one, forgiveness isn't denying any wrongdoing. Forgiveness is not denying any wrongdoing. You may have been abused. You may have been deceived. You may have been used. You may have been mistreated. It is unfortunate that you had to experience that. And we are, we are not denying that you experienced that and we are not denying that the pain may be there as a result. And sometimes people think forgiveness is, is, is denying that wrongdoing took place. No, forgiveness isn't denying that wrongdoing took place. Secondly, forgiveness isn't forgetting or denying that the pain is there. It's not forgetting or denying that the pain is there. Choosing to forgive doesn't erase one's memory because how many of you know, as much as I may forgive you in a moment, trust needs to be rebuilt. So forgiveness isn't forgetting or denying that the pain is there. And thirdly, forgiveness isn't always reconciliation. Some people think that until we have this discussion, until there is an apology that has taken place. No, 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 no. Forgiveness isn't always reconciliation. It's not always expecting an apology. And so with that said, let me share with you how we forgive in order to achieve the goal of forgiveness. There's three things we must do. Firstly, we must understand that forgiveness starts with a decision. Forgiveness starts with a decision. We won't turn there because of time, but you can write this down. Luke 23 verses 40 to 43 and read it in your own time. In this story, Jesus is on the cross. He has a thief to his left and a thief to his right. The thief on the left is reviling Jesus until the thief on the right gets a revelation and says to the other thief, hold on a second, we are here by just cause. This man has done nothing. And he turns to Jesus and says, and of course I'm summarizing and paraphrasing for time, but he turns to Jesus and says, forgive me, you know, and remember me this day in your kingdom is what Jesus says to him. I will remember you this day in my kingdom. And what is fascinating about that story is that the thief, though he was deserving to be on the cross for what he had done, made a decision to repent in that moment. And as a result of that, Jesus made a decision in that moment to forgive him. That one decision on both ends, wiped away a past full of sins, full of hurt, full of wrongdoing. Because like repentance, forgiveness begins with an intentional decision. Forgiveness is a must for your soul. It is a must for your peace of mind. To forgive is to accept that what happened did hurt you but you are now choosing intentionally to let go and forgive. And this is the first step towards how you forgive a person or people. Secondly, forgiving is a continuous reinforcement of your decision. To forgive isn't a one-time event. And this is where people struggle because it takes time and it's a process. 
you might see that person, you might hear about that person, and that might trigger a range of thoughts and emotions. It doesn't mean you haven't forgiven. It just means you haven't completed the forgiveness process yet. So it's something that you have to reinforce every day. Every morning, every time during your quiet time, you need to again go before God and say, Lord, help me to forgive X, Y, Z. Forgiving is a continuous reinforcement of your decision. And thirdly, it is so important that you cultivate an environment for forgiveness. Cultivate an environment for forgiveness. When you are struggling to forgive, the worst thing you can do is isolate yourself physically and emotionally. It's the worst thing that you can do. In addition to reinforcing your decision to forgive, you must create an environment where forgiveness can be achieved and flourish. And you do this by praying daily, but you also do this by talking to a trusted one. You also do this through therapy if you need to. And it's a combination of all these things that will lead you to embrace the healing process that comes when you choose to forgive. To not confide or have a space in which you can speak to someone or open up to someone can make it even more difficult for you to embrace the healing process. And it's hard to forgive when you don't cultivate an environment for forgiveness to flourish. Jesus on that same cross in Luke 23, 34 said, forgive them for they, not, for they know not what they do. You have to pray the same. Lord, forgive them. In fact, you need to pray, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do and forgive them for what they know they have done. That should be your prayer day in, day out. Help me to forgive them knowing that you forgive me. Help me to forgive them knowing that I am not perfect that I have hurt people and I would want them to forgive me likewise. Ah, uh, but Pastor K, what if I, I do all of that? How will I know if I've forgiven them? Well, let me answer that for you as I get ready to conclude this morning. You'll know when you've forgiven them because you won't feel the need to impress or prove a point. I always find it funny when people say to me, oh, I saw my ex and I didn't even have my trim or I didn't have my hair done nicely. Why is that important to you? Is it because that's rooted in a level of pride that actually when you look beyond that, there's a level of unforgiveness that it didn't work out between you. So you want to try and impress that person that you've moved on and life is better off without them. But actually, if you'd forgiven them, that wouldn't bother you. You'll know you've forgiven them when you don't feel the need to impress or prove a point. You will know you have forgiven them when you don't feel anger or pain towards them. If you feel that you need to prove a point, then there's a problem there. Can we trace it to a root of bitterness and in turn unforgiveness? If you feel that you need to prove to a parent or person that you are better off now, perhaps you haven't completed the forgiveness process just yet. You'll know when you've forgiven them when you no longer feel the negative emotions and triggers towards them, then you know you have forgiven them. 
In fact, when you can honestly wish them well, from the depth of your heart, honestly, then you know you've forgiven them. Can I challenge you this morning as we close to consider who you need to forgive? Is it a parent or parents? Is it a teacher who said you would never amount to anything when you was a child and those thoughts are in the back of your memory? It is, a, is it a family member? Is it a friend that disappointed you, that betrayed you, that let you down? Is it an ex in a relationship that didn't work out or where they were unfaithful to you? Is it a church or a pastor where you might have experienced church abuse, spiritual abuse, spiritual manipulation? Is it a colleague that you might need to forgive? And here's one that you might not have considered. Is it yourself that you need to forgive? Because when Jesus said, if you don't forgive anyone, last time I checked, anyone includes you. Do you need to forgive yourself for a sin that keeps playing in your mind, that's causing you guilt and shame when the Bible says there is no guilt or condemnation through those who are in Christ Jesus? Maybe you need to forgive yourself for a bad decision that you made in life that you keep ruminating over, over and over. Maybe you need to forgive yourself for words that were said that you know were wrong or even thoughts that you thought that nobody knows you have thought except for Christ. I don't know who or what you must let go of, but I know that God wants you to make that decision today. And I believe that when you do so, he will help you and keep you and see you through. I can't tell you just how light the heart feels when you know that you're not holding anything against anyone. Now, just because you're not holding anything against anyone doesn't mean that people might not be holding something against you. But as long as you've done your part, that's all that matters in the eyes of Christ. And talking from experience of being in a place where I've held on to unforgiveness and being in a place where I hold on to no grudges against anyone, I can tell you the weight shifts. I want to encourage you this morning to lay it at the altar and let God help you through this battle of unforgiveness that you might be holding on to. And so church, I'm going to ask you to stand at this time.